This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm Hillary Georgie. Joining me is Nathan Makaborski. Hello, Hillary. And Al Sanasiri. Hello. All right, so Al, you in the offseason spent a little bit of time with Greg Bird. So we have a Greg Bird profile called Something to Prove in the July issue of Yankees Magazine. Tell us a little bit about Greg. I know kind of hit a few bumps in the road along the way. Yeah, he has. Um, and um, I did sit down with him actually during spring training in Tampa uh, for, for a lengthy interview um, about you know, his career up to this point, how he's both physically and mentally overcome, you know, multiple injuries in in the very early part of his career. And then, you know, obviously we know what's happened since then. He had uh, an issue with a bone spur in his ankle, uh, one of his ankles, and had to have that, uh, had to have some minor surgery on that after I spoke with him. So I spoke with him again um, when he uh, returned to the lineup. I think he returned to the lineup on May 26th. So a couple days after that, I did a follow-up with him about yet another setback. Um, But, you know, what I'm really impressed with with him is the fact that despite not having as much time from the, t- the from the the time he debuted in the majors, not having as much time on the field as he's had off the field, which is un- both unfortunate, frustrating for for him. I'm sure we all know um, he's maintained a really positive attitude about it, and I think that speaks volumes about him. Um, I I think um, you've interviewed Brian Cashman uh, and spent enough time with him, you know, interviewing him to know how he feels about Greg Bird and what the what the potential is. He's going to be a good player. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing that people forget because he comes, he goes, he mm-hmm. gets hurt, he comes back, he does something great, he gets hurt again. And it's just frustrating because you know, we all know, that this guy has the potential to be one of the best bats in the, in the lineup. No question. And no question. Brian Cashman has said that to me personally. We've mm-hmm. seen it. We've seen him contribute in huge moments. Mm-hmm. So... And an important bat, you know it, that lefty yeah. power bat just really helps. It's important the to break up that lineup yeah. with yeah. all those righty sluggers. On a good day, Greg Bird could be the linchpin. He really could be, and he—he, he, I mean, he was a huge. He was the linchpin um, in the division series last year. Uh, you know, giving us all the runs we needed in the one nothing, <laughs> you know, victory uh, that we so badly needed to kind of get off the mat in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got no problem hitting in the clutch. He didn't um, down the stretch in 2015 before he got hurt as well. People kind of forget about that sometimes, myself included. His attitude is really good. Um, He knew that even though he got hurt again this year, he knew this was a minor thing. He knew he'd be back, and he knew he would be able to make big contributions in 2018. He's batting 207 right now. I still think he's going to make big contributions in 2018, and the reason I think that is because the ability is there. The rust is obviously there as well because he, he his spring training was broken up and then um, 
you know, uh, you know, so much time he had to spend so much time away from the game again. Um, I think he's going to get back to where he was in 2017, and he was a really good player down the stretch last year when he finally got back, and obviously in the postseason. His feeling is, and hope I should say, not his feeling, but his hope is that someday we're all going to look back on this, on these last couple years, after he's had a long, successful run, and it'll just be ancient history and a footnote right. to a great career. And there's no reason that that's, that still cannot happen. I'm encouraged by the fact that he's actually out on the field and he's playing. He's not playing at a super high level, but he's playing and he's he's getting better and he's moving in the right direction. And I think when it's all said and done, you know, uh, months from now, that he's going to have a good. He will have had a good season. Yeah, he certainly seems to be taking the right mental approach, which is probably something that he had to learn over the last few years you know I'm sure at first being asked day after day by reporter after reporter about this injury or how's this feeling this and that it was probably something he had to learn how to kind of deal with um it's just kind of part of the game but you know like you said his you know approach is hopefully this will become ancient history one day and I, I think that's pretty good way of thinking about it the other thing with Greg Bird you know we the story is up online on, on yankees.com slash magazine and you know we tweeted it out the other day and um you know the it, it's funny like the the feedback on it is like you can tell that there's people who are like kind of getting tired of of you know the fact that he's you know injured a lot and there's still a lot of people though that are like wholly in his camp like mm -hmm. you know i've been in a greg bird guy since day one glad to see him back out on the field and stuff like that and i wonder how much that number that proportion would be different if he didn't have the type of personality he has you know in, in your experience ali for this story or others what kind of impression have you gotten from him you know just personality wise and, and how does he feel about you know wanting to be a yankee and that sort of thing nate that's a that's a wonderful question um before i even answer it i'll just identify myself as someone who is in the camp of people who are both patient and understanding that things happen um you know we've we've all um had injuries you know whether it's in, in uh, you know as an amateur athlete or as people in professional athletes uh, who are professional athletes and when you go through those things even yourself i could identify with that and say i didn't cause this to happen it happened but it's how you deal with it that really measures who you are. He's dealt with it extremely well. And I don't mean just having a positive attitude about it. I mean working his, um, his tail off to come back each time and then still getting knocked down again and, and having the perseverance to then to work hard a second time and a third time to come back. So I'm in the camp of people who are rooting for him and who, who also understand that it's, it happens to the human body when you push yourself in any sport. Um, and it's okay, and you have to be patient with them. And for those who aren't, I don't, you know, I don't agree with that that feeling or that approach. Um, but um, he's extreme. He's an extremely likable guy. He's an extremely humble guy, and he's a guy who um, I talked about his perseverance a second ago. Um, without bragging about how hard he's worked to come back, you can just understand how badly he wants it. Um, and how how much it means to him to be a Yankee. Um, you know, he talked about, in, and I wrote this in the story or included this in the story, you know, how he's a small-town guy who never could have envisioned 
being in New York or liking New York City. And that all changed, and it changed because being a Yankee in New York City is such a special thing, and he realized that right away and, and how the city and the, the, um, the fan base and everybody embraces the Yankees. And just he just loves being that, being a part of that and, and just everything that that embodies is, is, is special to him. Um, so I think it, and I think people see a likable person, you know, they see a person who's working hard. Like Greg Bird is not patient because he doesn't want to be patient. He wants to be back out there. And when you talk, when, when an athlete talks who's been injured and injured and injured about, you know, it's okay, I'll be back when I get back, that rubs fans the wrong way because they are spending a lot of money on tickets and they know how much the athlete is getting paid. I think Greg Bird's you know, both having a positive attitude and understanding that physically it's a process, but ex- but always um, explaining how how desperately he wants to be out there tomorrow. I think that resonates with fans and, and garners a lot of goodwill. Yeah, I think that was the case last year. I think last year when he got injured, they were predicting him to be out for the rest of the season, and he said, "No, no, no, mm-hmm. I I need to be back for the the stretch run. This is going to be a big year. This is important." And he pushed himself even harder to get yeah. back. And look at the contributions that mm-hmm. he made in that in that month and a half. Oh, it's tremendous! It was. I think that speaks volumes to who he is and how much he really does want to be playing. Like you said, I yeah. agree. He's a he's a an easy guy to root for for sure. And you know the fact that he's. Homegrown too. I mean, a, a fifth round pick back in 2011. You certainly, uh, you know, you root for guys like that. Al, you spoke to um, an ex-Yankees first baseman in this story. Um, what did Tino Martinez think about Greg Bird when he was, uh, you know, watching him play out there during the spring? Yeah, I didn't expect to get, uh, as we say in the industry, you know, as, as good of stuff as I got from him. <laughs> um, you know, I just kind of wanted to get his his take and see kind of where the interview went and you know he he called him you know at that time the best hitter in the lineup or at least someone who had the potential to be the best hitter in the lineup and again when you look at this lineup um uh and you you know especially this year with all the attention that gary sanchez got coming off of his great season all-star campaign last year and and aaron judge the tremendous season he had and John Carlos Stanton coming here and uh, after winning the National League MVP and Didi Gregorius and you know the list goes on and on and on and you have a guy who as we we just talked about has been out of the lineup a lot more than he's been in it and hasn't had the opportunity to put up numbers like that for a, a seasoned baseball guy like Tino Martinez a great player and a, and a guy who has still been in the game as a as an instructor here and all to to say well, this guy's got the best swing and the best um could be the best hitter among those guys uh it resonated with me i knew that there was no way that that quote wasn't going into the story <laughs> you know it had to be it had to be in because i think it gives fans um somewhat of an understanding of what what we all hear within the organization and then that was one of your, your follow-ups, right, with, with Greg when, you know, you spoke to him after he got back into the lineup. You kind of relayed Tino's words to him, and he said, uh, you know, something to the effect of, like, that's nice, but... Got to prove it. Got to prove it. Got to go out there and, and back it up. Yeah, I think until until he does what he hopes he can do, which is, again, again string uh, together a a bigger body of work, you know, more significant body of work, which is what every athlete in the world wants to do is have that overall body of work stretch out to be as big as it possibly can be. 
and and span as many seasons as, as it possibly can be um he's you know just regards those as just words because that's really all they are but um you know hopefully uh five years from now we'll we'll be talking about him again and um you know maybe we can go back to this article and and laugh a little bit about it little by little i think greg bird is figuring it out making his way and as long as he can stay healthy i think he's got a real shot to to do something special with this club so i agree Good job on the story, Al. Again, it's called Something to Prove. It's in the July issue of Yankees Magazine, so definitely check it out, and check it out on yankees.com slash magazine, too. All right, talk to you soon. Coming up next, you'll hear John Schwartz's recent interview with catcher Austin Romine. Then, John, Nate, and I dissect what they chatted about and the story that came out of it. So stick around. You're starting today. How is your role different starting today than it is on day you're not starting? Well, so today is going to be like a little more relaxed. I'm still going to do my work, but I wouldn't hit as much. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do as many drills catching-wise or receiving or stuff like that. It's more along the lines of making sure I'm ready, you know, watching video, watching the hitters. Um, I was fortunate enough to catch last night, so this is like a really cool thing for me because now I have the hitters fresh in my mind. I know how I want to attack them. I know how my pitcher's stuff is going to line up for how I want to attack them. But on days where I'm not not playing, there's going to be a lot of hitting, um, more work, almost to a point where, you know, you get tired. I mean, you got to work on those days off so that it bridges the gap until you play again. Because if you just take days off, you get tight, and you get, you know, there's not really a reason to take days off. When you're not playing in the game, what are you doing during the game? So, switches. I will be in the video room watching, mm-hmm. you know, video and going over hitters and watching how the starter that day is pitching so that if something happens and I have to go in the game, I don't disrupt the rhythm yep. that that pitcher had with that catcher, how they're trying to work, um, how he, they're trying to get hitters out. I'll also go out onto the railing and, you know, be a good teammate, I guess, and, you know, root for everybody hitting. And, you know, still, though, I'm still watching. I'm watching how their guy's pitching. I'm watching how our guy's pitching. It's a lot of staying with the game, staying in the moment, you know, thinking about situations, calling pitches in my head, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, it, it used to be just watching. Now it's more of dissecting the game just in case I go in or maybe I catch that third game in the series or the fourth game. I want to make sure that I'm fully covered on everything. So you kind of beat me to it. If you, if Aaron says to you, Austin, get up or whatever, are you ready at that point or do you need do you need to talk to Gary? Do you need to talk to Larry? Do you need to... No, there's there's not much talking. Maybe Larry go over the hitters at oh. hand, maybe you know what he thinks, but for the most part, I'm ready. I know how I want to attack the hitters. I know who's throwing. Uh, I have stretched. You know, I, you stretch throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, third, fifth, seventh. You want to make sure that you're still stretching. You know, I'll hit during the game just to stay loose, or if, even if I'm bored. You know, yeah. not that I get bored, but like, you know, it's a long time watching a lot of games, being a backup mm-hmm. player. You got to make sure you're hitting and staying loose. So sometimes I'll go in there and hit if I'm thinking about something. It helps keep me loose just in case they go, "Hey, bro, you're catching." Mm-hmm. Or, hey, bro, you got the last inning, or. You know, something does happen. You know, I'm always ready. What's harder to go in cold in the field or to go in cold to hit? I'd say hitting. Yeah. Because that timing has to be so quick. Um, you got to go from the bench to hitting upper 90s. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough thing to do. I think I have a tremendous respect for DH or uh, pinch hitters. Um, I think it's unbelievable how some guys are you know, good, good at about that. Um, but catching, I mean, your adrenaline's going so much, and it's a full body. Like you're working, you're stretching. Like you can do what you need to do. I mean, it's not that too hard. You get used to catching. You can anticipate. You know, a pitch is coming. Hitting can be 
pretty difficult. Is the game plan when you go in there, let's say you're going in the 8th inning or whatever, the game plan is basically the way you had worked out pre-game? I mean, obviously things evolve, but yeah. you're, you're, you, you planned for this moment still. Yeah, I mean, as far as game planning, I mean, it evolves. Like, you have a game plan, you know how we're trying to get guys out and stuff like that. Um, but you also have to watch the game and watch how they're yeah. evolving to it. Who adjusts pitch to pitch, who adjusts a bat to a bat, who adjusts game to game. <laughs> you know, if you got guys adjusting pitch to pitch, you got to stay with them. You know, if there's a guy in a bad spot and he's not swinging the bat well, you just kind of stay with it. So I, I, I don't remember which bat it was of yours last night, but uh, on the TV, O'Neal, uh, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. Certain guys... Are built for certain roles, and Austin Roman is built to be is built for the role of the backup catcher. Yeah, who said that? Paul O'Neill. And I think he meant that in a very nice way. Is that backhanded? I'm not trying to start anything with Paulie. Okay. I, I, I think it's a compliment. Um, I think he meant it as a compliment. Do you I, take it as a compliment? I don't really take anything. Okay. I mean, I, I don't really worry about what people say. I, I appreciate him saying that. Mm-hmm. I, I hope, and I and I think he meant it in a good way. Um, but no one wants to consider themselves a backup. You know, everybody wants to start. Um, I think it's a great thing to say, though, because for a while there, I was an automatic out and an up-and-down guy from AAA to the big leagues. So to say that, you know, I've solidified myself in the eyes of a guy that's an unbelievable player, um, I think I think it definitely was a compliment. I have to take it that way. But you are a freak injury or whatever, away from being the starting catcher for the best team in baseball. I mean, do you ever think about things like, like that? or? You can't think about that, because if you think about it the other way, I'm also a freak injury away from not yeah. even being on the team. So, I mean, you don't worry about that. I know that going forward, we need Gary Sanchez in the World Series. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a given. I mean, he's an all-star. He's a great hitter. He's an unbelievable arm. He can catch. Like, we need him moving forward. So, I mean, I never would even entertain that idea. There's too many people in here that, that are working really hard for anybody to think about themselves. So, I'm just here. If they need me, they need me. I understand my role. Um, and I'm just trying to do it the best I can because I see a lot of guys working their asses off. So There are, people, there are kids who come to this game to see Gary Sanchez play mm-hmm. baseball. Do you feel like that's a challenge sometimes? Like, I'm going to show him Austin Romo I can play baseball today? No. I'm just here to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I worried too much about early in my career about what people thought or what people said. I really just don't care anymore. I'm here to play hard for my guys and make sure my pitchers get through and it's clean because everybody's got families that they're providing for. Um, I'm here to do my job. I have a hell of a time doing it. I have a blast. I'm yeah. one of guys that has the most fun when I'm playing. But we're here to do a job. We're here to win. And we're here to make sure that people do well so that you know, they can make as much money as they can in this game. What expectations do you have for yourself? Um, expectations? Just consistent. I'm trying to be as consistent as possible. The one thing that sticks out in my mind of, of you know, there's superstars and there's guys that are really good at baseball, and, and then it kind of goes down from there. Um, the guys that are really good at baseball other than the guys that are born with crazy talent, you know, their consistency sticks out to me. Every day they come, they're consistent with their swings, they're consistent with their motions and their plays. And I'm striving for consistency on a daily basis. Through my at-bats, through catching, through focus on pitching, on pitches. Uh, I'm just trying to be as consistent as I can for as long as I can because I know that that's going to help our team win more games. Mm-hmm. If I'm consistent in the backup role, making sure I get in there, the same way Toe is, consistently gets hits when he gets put in there. I mean, that's what they want. They want guys that are consistent and know what they're going to get. You talk to a lot of guys in this room, and they'll say that you have the toughest job on the team. <laughs> I, I mean, at times, yes, it can be, um, just from the sure velocity and movement that our pitcher staff has. Um, but I wouldn't say it's the hardest. I mean, you got pitchers out there that got to navigate through nine big league hitters that were three hitters their whole career coming up in one of the toughest divisions. I mean, I think pitching is very, very tough. I mean, you, you got guys in that lineup one and nine that can hit a home run off you at any time. That's it. I mean, it's hard to navigate. But 
you know, I, mean, I took ground balls the other day at, at City Field and just messing around, you know, just, just seeing what they did. And to take that many ground balls every single day, I mean, it's tiring. I mean, <laughs> there's different, I know, there's different aspects of the game. I can't really say that catching is the hardest. You get beat up the most, and maybe that's what people see. Like, you get hit with balls. Yeah. And, like, stuff hurts. But toughest-wise, I mean, uh, pitching is pretty, pretty freaking hard. I th- I'm, I'm sorry. I, wasn't, I think what I'm saying is, as a number two catcher, that to have to be ready okay. for everything, despite the fact that, you know, you, you, you have no idea what you're going to get called in that moment. Yeah. But you're ready with every pitcher. You're ready for every bat. You have to be. That's part of the job. And, and getting a little older in my career, I've learned how to focus on the stuff you need to focus on rather than everything, and it can be overwhelming at times. So, I mean, tough, and not to me. I mean, I'm just here to do my job, and it's all part of it. You know I mean? Going in a game late, I'm used to that. Since my debut at 21, 22 years old, I was getting running in from the outfield to go in a ninth inning game because I pinched it for some. It's all I've known. So, I mean, I don't really know any different. So, I just go with it. Do you see yourself as a number one catcher? I think everybody sees themselves as a number one player. You have to in this game. I think even, you know, back up infielders and stuff like that, that's the type of mentality you have to have in order to succeed in this game because it's so cutthroat. There's four or five guys behind me that want my job, and that's going to say everybody. So you have to put yourself in that state of mind that I am the best at what I do. Whether you are or you aren't, you need that mentality to push you to be better because if you're, if you're complacent or you, you like where you're at, that's as far as you're going to go. So, of course, I want to... You know, I want to start. Of course, I want to play. You know, more games and stuff like that. It would be li- everybody would be crazy in line if they said any different. But as I've said before many times, is I know my role in this team. Um, would I like to change it? Absolutely. But at this time, to help this team win, my job is to back up Gary Sanchez, who's an all-star catcher. That's all I'm focused on. If hypothetically you did this eight more years, this role, would you retire happy? Healthy? Do it healthy? Yeah, you do. You yeah. <laughs> if I make it eight more years healthy, I would have to call that a win. If I'm if I'm in baseball for eight more years, that puts me at 38 years old. As a catcher, who's been catching his whole life, I have to count that as a win, no matter in what capacity. How much fun is it to hit a home run? <laughs> it's the best thing. Everybody says it. You know, it's, it's, it's an awesome feeling. You know, if coming from a guy who doesn't hit very many, it's the most fun you have in baseball, hitting a home run. I love watching your trot because you're very stoic for first, second, third, yeah. and then the minute you get to Nevin or whoever is going, when you get there, the smirk comes across. I love it. I want to be in the dugout. <laughs> it's usually because I, I see the dugout and they're all happy because, you know, everybody knows I don't hit that many home runs, but, you know, I'm trying to fix that. I'm trying to hit some more, um, but I love that I can help contribute for my team. I love how happy they get for you. It makes me happy seeing them happy, so it's hard for me to contain it at times because to see that many people happy for you, you know, that's what it's all about. But how often do you think about how close you last year? Eh, that sucked. That off season was it was it was tough. I mean, you always thought about it, and you know we weren't picked to go anywhere really. I mean, and then we get there and we're one game away. You know that was tough for a little while. Uh, you don't ever want to be there again. And to know you were one game from a World Series, that's tough. That's tough. But it also instills a drive that I've seen in this team. Even when we showed up in spring training, it was there's a mission out here, and we know where we want to be and where we want to go. In April, it was Didi. In May, it was Glaber. I mean. What were you noticing about just those two like crazy streaks those guys were on? That's what you said. It's crazy. They're not missing pitches. Didi's was unbelievable. That was a very special month to watch that happen. How many guys do what he did? Um, Glebar's continuing to do it. I mean, this kid's special, man. I mean, even last night, I mean, I put a throw down second base that I was, I let go. I'm like, oh, man, I got it down there, but I don't know. And he takes it in quick tags. Guy. I mean, he makes plays wherever he is, whether he's at the plate or at second base. It's, it's fun to watch. And, 
I know as a catcher, it's nice to know that all I got to do is get the ball near second base and something cool is going to happen because he's going to catch it. And it's the same way with Didi. I mean, we're, we're gifted up the middle right now. we got some special talent. I mean, it was on display last night. Didi catched the ball over his head. And, like, we don't really realize it sometimes how, how good they are. There are obviously fewer balls in play right now than ever before in baseball. I think this was the first time there were more strikeouts than hits. Do you think that's a problem? I don't really know. There's so many numbers and stuff being thrown out mm-hmm. right now. Baseball's still the same for me. You throw it, you hit it. Guys are throwing harder now. Balls are moving more. That's probably why. Guys are moving balls at 98-99. They're cutting, they're sinking. I mean, that's probably why. There's no other numbers that need to go into it. Guys are throwing harder and the ball's moving more. That's what I see. Do you think there's merit to the idea of an automated strike zone? No, because then I wouldn't have a job. So <laughs> I'm out on that. I don't, Just, think, I don't think so, no. All the umpires are good jobs, all the backup catchers, the guys that are good at receiving pitches and making yes. it look like strikes are out of a job. Catching becomes just a arm and a bat. So before or after every game, you have 60 reporters in here, and there are some players who treat it as, guys, this is way simpler than you make it out to be. Like, you just see the ball, hit the ball, and, yeah. and there are other guys who say, let me tell you about my process. Where are you more comfortable? Are you more comfortable trying to analyze the game or trying to not analyze the game? I think, I think we know the answer to that. It's pretty basic for me. Yeah. You throw it, you hit it, you catch it. I mean, it's all cliche, but at the same time, it's baseball, man. But at the same time, I mean, you know, you, you can watch your bat from last year to this year, and I mean, you will see a different stance. Yeah. You'll see. So obviously, you're thinking about this stuff. Obviously, I'm checking this stuff. I know what works. Uh, like I've said, I've done this. This is my third year doing this. I, I know what works and what doesn't work. I mess around with stuff and done certain things that, you know, close, open, hands, load, all that stuff. But. At the end of the day, you're just going to hit the ball. I mean, when we go through slumps or anything bad happens, the first thing everybody says is simplify it. And that's mm-hmm. baseball in a nutshell. It's simple. You throw it, and you hit it, and you catch it. Are you trusting? If you, like, when someone's giving you advice, are you trusting, or are you like, hey, man, stay out of my head for a Certain second? people. It takes, it takes time to earn trust. The same way it takes me t- time to earn trust in my pitchers when I'm catching and calling the game. Mm-hmm. It's hard to relinquish everything to someone and say, here, you call the pitches for my career, you know? Yeah. It's, it's my livelihood. I'm going to look good if, I, if you call bad or, you know, bad if you, you know, call bad. I mean, it, it's hard to relinquish that, but people earn your trust uh, by the way they approach things, by the way they say things. Uh, trust is earned. Hi, this is Chad Green. You don't have to wait for the first pitch to get caught up on some of the best stories by your 27-time world champion Yankees. Subscribe to and download the Yankees Magazine podcast by visiting yankees.com slash podcast. All right, we're back. John, you sat down with my buddy, Austin Romine, for a Q&A. How did that go? It was really a great Q&A that was surprisingly difficult to uh, make happen. Um, <laughs> you know... It, when you're trying to set up a 15 to 20 minute thing with the backup catcher, you kind of assume like, you know, I ought to get you on a day that you're not playing because there's a lot of those. Um, it turned out, however, that by virtue of him being extremely hot, Gary Sanchez being in a bit of a slump and just my luck, I basically, it took three weeks to find a day that was going to work. <laughs> um, and it became like a little bit of a running joke between us that he would see me and it'd be like, nope, not today. And, but, you know, we eventually got it. And, you know, I was aiming for a very specific thing with that Q&A, um, which was not to tell the life story of Austin Romine, not to break down why he's having a better season this year because of the th- changes he's made or whatever. I really wanted to talk about what it means to be a backup. And 
that's a story that's been kicking around in my head for a long time and it's not an easy story to write because the fact of the matter is most players do not want to talk about being a backup um and i kind of went into this conversation with austin you know a little i don't want to say nervous because I, was, I wasn't nervous but i was aware that he may have not enjoyed a lot of my questions and i was prepared for him to challenge me and he did and you know i i, I don't want to say that he didn't appreciate the questions i think it's more that just you know he, he answers a lot of times like you know of course i want to be a starter of course like this isn't the role i want in my life but he's also every single time he said that he would also say if this team is going to win a world series it's going to be on the back of a guy like gary sanchez and i know what my role is so i think what i was hoping to do and i hope i did was give an impression of who he is and how he approaches this role, but also an understanding of why this specific role is so difficult and why it takes a special person to be able to be successful in that role. And that's really what I was going for. You know, I think he really has an appreciation for it, though. Like like you said, I mean, you know, Gary Sanchez is a starter. There's no doubt. But, you know, every team needs a backup catcher. And if you're going to be the backup catcher on a major league team, the, the New York Yankees of 2018 are a pretty good team to be on but you know he he realizes that like you asked him something along the lines of like hey you know do you ever think about the fact that like you're a freak injury away from being the starting catcher on this team and he's like yeah but I'm also a freak injury away from being out of baseball or being back in the minors or whatever so I, I think you know the impression that overall that I got in reading this was just like Austin Romine has a really good perspective on you know, himself and where he fits in the grand scheme of things and he's just Still, maybe it's not the, the ideal role for a guy who was probably, you know, a stud athlete all through, you know, growing up and everything. But, um, you know, he, he's still very happy to be here and be a part of this team. In terms of perspective, there's no question. I, I was very impressed by his perspective. You know, Nate, when you read it for the first time, you were like, God, he's such a nice guy. And he is. And he, he happens to be, you know, a great guy. Um, but... He was pugnacious in this, uh, you know, it was a little bit punchy back and forth between us, not in a bad way, but he was just in terms of, I was talking, I was challenging him and there, there are a couple you points. You asked him hard questions. Yeah, there were a couple points in there where I was like, just, you know, kind of making him come to terms with, you can say all you want about this, but at the end of the day, like this can't possibly be what your dream is to, to be doing this. He was professional and he was great and he, he there was not a single question he said like next or anything like that too but i liked that he was challenged that, that he was being challenged by the question he was challenging me back and the key example that i go back to and this was just dumb luck on my part which you know usually is the case um i was watching the game the night before i finally got to speak to him and you know as typical for you know may and june he came up and he got a couple hits and paul o'neill is on the broadcast and he makes a comment that I literally, I'm, I'm watching at home, and I had to, like, go back on my DVR, like, three times because I wanted to really, like, hear the conversation over and over again. The comment he made was, there are certain guys who are just made for certain roles, and Austin Romine is built to be a backup catcher. Burn. Right. And, but there's no way that he meant it as a burn meeting. There's no way he was saying, what a great number two. What he is saying is, every team could benefit from a person like Austin mm-hmm. Romine being on that roster. Yeah. But at the same time, that's not what you want to hear. You no. don't want to hear from the warrior, like, man, you are a great backup. You would be an awesome understudy on Broadway. <laughs> no. But he does. He does an amazing job of it. I mean, he'll, he won't play for a few days, and then, you know, they'll give Gary a day off and stick him in there, and he, you know, he goes out and gets a big hit or 
Uh, I mean, and clearly the, the pitchers love him as well. I was going to so. say, I think you, you touched on this in the story. The pitchers really like throwing to him. He's earned their trust, and he, t- he says, you can speak to it more, but he says earning trust is, it takes some time, right? And they, they really like throwing to him, especially he catches Sonny Gray a lot, and mm-hmm. they have a great relationship. What did he say about that and, and working with the pitchers and coming in and well, even in, in ninth inning situations? Like he, he's, he knows the bullpen. He knows the pitchers so well. What goes into that preparation and that trust building? So that preparation, you get the sense when you talk to him, first off, that there is no difference in the preparation that he does as a backup catcher or would do as a starting catcher. He knows every single bit of that game plan um, in the same way Gary does every game. He knows every single bit about what those pitchers are doing, what those pitchers are throwing. When he's on the bench and Gary's catching, he is calling pitches in his head, he is watching what's happening because he's making sure whatever your game plan says before the game, a guy comes up for the fourth time and he's done something the first three times, a pitcher and a catcher are gonna wanna approach him differently. If Austin Romine hasn't been in the game for the first three at-bats, though, he better be ready for that fourth at-bat for the adjustments that they need to make. And he is great at doing that. He is great at following the game. And it's a long time to be sitting on the bench when you might get called into action in the ninth inning. Or, frankly, if, you know, if he's catching, say, Sonny Gray, and maybe it's the third game of a series, you still need to know what happened in those first two games of a series. You know, the pitching coach can't tell you everything. The pitcher can't tell you everything. As the catcher, you need to do it. And... I would say it's a benefit to Romine having come up all the way through the Yankees system. First off, he's worked with a lot of these pitchers before, but also the Yankees from literally minute one of your time in the organization as a catcher, they insist on you calling the game. Yankees coaches never call games. And that goes to rookie ball, that goes in the Gulf Coast League, everywhere. I did a story last year about a guy literally learning how to be a catcher in low A Charleston. And... I was like, man, so, you know, how do you learn how to, like, get all the signs on the pitches and everything like that from the coaches? And he's like, no, we call our games. They don't let us not. Um, so Austin Romine, doesn't matter that he, you know, is a backup now. He was a starter in AAA. He was a starter in AA and all these things, and he knows how to call a game. He knows how to handle all these things. And just I, I, that was a really long-winded answer to a simple question. The fact of the matter is he is always prepared. The pitchers know that he is always prepared. He in those meetings with all the pitchers before every series, he is not the guy sitting back and letting Gary talk or letting Larry Rothschild, the pitching coach, talk. He is, you know, he inserts himself into that situation. He does a good job catching. He does a good job calling games. He does a good job handling, you know, runners. So he has earned their trust. You know, the fact, that, the fact will always be Gary Sanchez is an all-star catcher. Gary Sanchez gets a little knox for, you know, the pass balls and things like that, and that's accurate, but he also handles the running game incredibly well. He calls a good game. He handles base runners coming in very well. You know, it, it, it's always very easy to look at the backup catcher who, in the Seattle series during the day game, throws a runner out and forget that actually the starting catcher does that all the time. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, when you get called into duty, as Austin Roman is more now than he had been in the past, There are a lot of pitchers who would tell you that they don't care about anything their catcher does except for call a good game and catch the ball. Like, I've spoken to pitchers in the past who said they don't care what their, if their catcher can hit, they don't want their catcher, they don't want their catcher focusing on hitting at all. So, you know, it's a credit to Romine that he does an exceptional job when he's called in um, defensively and with the pitchers. When you are also able to add enough offense so that Aaron Boone can. DH Sanchez and put you in there and know that 
your bat's not going to be a liability in an AL roster, you know, you're going to get yourself more playing time. Yeah, that's been the case so far this year, for sure. I joked with him uh, when in the weeks leading up to trying to get the interview that, you know, he should be thankful because it seemed that every single time I went to talk to him, he was in the lineup and he should try to drag this out as long as possible because <laughs> cause the fact of the matter is he is fun when he's on the field. You can watch him. He is a serious guy, but he also has a lot of fun on the field. He's a number two catcher. He always wants to be on the field. He understands the reasons he's not, but he always wants to be there. And so this year has been a lot of fun for him because he's been on the field a lot. People often think of uh, catchers as, you know, manager material down the down the line. Do you think, uh, does Austin give you that impression that like just the way he approaches everything that he would make a good manager someday? Yeah, I mean, he'll, yes, Austin Romine will be a, you know, he'll be a coach someday. Manager, I assume, but Austin Romine will coach after he's done playing. He, he has a really solid understanding of the game. Um, he yeah, has he's a kind real, of our go-to guy. Yeah, like whenever we have a baseball question. I start question, with Austin uh, always. Yeah, no, he's, if, if, I, if I need to understand what a pitcher is doing or what a sign means, how to read something that I'm seeing on the field and what it could possibly be indicating, you know, he, 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 he's the guy to talk to about that. He's, he's an instructor. You know, he, he's got a attitude sometimes that's like, you know, he, he, he has a shell that he likes to um, put out there. But like, well, that's also it, part it, of being a catcher. It breaks yeah. down so quickly. It's hilarious. Like, he acts like this gruff guy. And then, I mean, again, I think you can see it in the Q&A. Like, he just... Uh, there's a point in there after kind of challenging him for a while. I really wanted to, you know, flip the switch a little bit. And um, one thing I always notice about him, n- not that he hits that many home runs, but when he does hit a home run, if you watch it, he will hit the ball and there's no, you know, pimping or anything like that. It's just drop the bat and, you know, take that trot to first, trot to second, trot to third. He gets to third and hits Phil Nevin. And it's like one of those kids trying to suppress a, st- a smile and just totally failing. And all of a sudden he's like giggling as he gets near home plate. And it's just, you know, he's, he's serious. He's a professional, but he also, he says he has a ton of fun on the field. So it was cool to see that. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we have a full feature on Austin Romine. Just, he's been such a friend to the magazine over the years. You know, yeah. we're often relying on him for quotes about other guys. So it's nice to have a, you know, full what is it, eight-page feature or whatever, just, just, just him. Yeah. And, and I think that I will say, you know, I initially would always say that I would rather write through a story than do a Q&A. I think there's merit in this case to his exact words, being able to carry some of the more challenging aspect of the job and the frustrations of the job. And, you know, not me not having to try to, like, you know, get into his head at all, just to let him talk. I think I, I think it does come through there, just exactly how his mental process works in handling what his role is right now. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, I think you did a great job with the story, John. It's called, what's it called? The Understudy. Understudy. It's in the July issue of Yankees Magazine. So check it out. He's our pal. You know, I think you'll like him. We like him. Thanks, John. Thank you. That's it for us. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And get in touch on Twitter. We're at Yanks Magazine. And email us, podcast at yankees.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 